Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What do you think people will want to hear about the most? Well, from me? Yeah. I don't know. No idea. Welcome to Excuse the Mess. You're listening to the pilot episode of this new music podcast hosted by me, Ben Corrigan. In each episode of Excuse the Mess, I'm going to be spending a day with a different composer and each day will involve two things. The first, like many other podcasts, is a whole lot of ramble chat. It's an opportunity for you and I to get to know the composer and their music a bit better, hopefully learning a couple of useful tricks along the way. The second part of Excuse the Mess is a sort of music challenge. We'll be co-composing a new piece of music, but following three rules. We only have that day to make the piece, we can't pre-plan anything, and every single sound in it must come from one instrument that the composer brings with them. We can, however, manipulate the material electronically. So you'll be hearing snippets from the music-making process, and then at the end of the podcast, you'll hear the finished product. On top of that, you'll also be hearing excerpts of the guests' music peppered throughout the episode. If you want to hear this music without me talking all over it, which you probably do, then head to the website, which is etmpodcast.com, go to the episode you want, and there you'll find a Spotify playlist of all the tracks that were featured. Alternatively, follow Excuse the Mess on Spotify. For this pilot episode and the launch of this podcast, I was in very good company. I spent the day with composer, percussionist, and hang drum hero, Manu Delago. I've known Manu for a few years now. We met at Trinity Laban, where we were both studying composition. He was one of the first people to adopt a new instrument, a hang drum, invented just over 15 years ago. His hang video, Mono Desire, was a big hit on YouTube, receiving millions of views. It also caught the attention of Björk, who invited Manu to join her on the Biophilia album. He plays hang, percussion and electronics in the live shows and continues to tour with her. Manu's band, Manu Delago Handmade, has released three brilliant albums, Bigger Than Home, Silver Cobalt and his latest album, Metromonk, the last two being released by the label True Thoughts. You'll hear us talk about his music and projects, his orchestral writing, his relationship to Indian music and work with Anushka Shankar. We'll also talk about his band, Mountains, working with singers, burping live, and lots of other good stuff. This episode is generously sponsored by Red Dog Music, which in my opinion is the best place to go for all your music gear needs. They have three shops across the UK, in Edinburgh, Leeds and London. Pop in and say hello, they're an unusually friendly bunch and they'll be very happy to help you out and let you tinker with all the music gadgets. As they are so nice, they've provided an exclusive discount code for you, the ETM listeners. Just type in excuse the mess 
all one word, all lowercase, at the online checkout to receive a 5% discount on all your music goodies. Even better though, if you quote this code to a member of staff over the phone or in store, they'll sort out an even bigger discount for you. Thanks again to Red Dog for the support. We recorded this episode in early August. We were quite tight on time, so we decided to have most of the conversation in taxis between Manu's flat and mine. I hope the various background noises don't offend you. Depending on the kind of person you are, something that may offend you is that there are a couple of swear words in the episode, but it's nothing too bad. That's definitely plenty of intro waffle from me. So this is the pilot episode of Excuse the Mess with Manu DeLargo. Here we go. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, pleasure. Should be fun. Not really in London for long, are you? Uh, no, I go out uh, tomorrow to a festival gig. Uh, the whole summer is basically interrupted of many, many festival gigs. So it's okay. always back and forth between home and somewhere. Last weekend I played in Australia, so that was a little... <laughs> Slightly bigger yeah. trip. I was just there for three days. What did you do on the flights? Um, well, I tried to sleep as much as possible. I watched a few films, but not that many. I, yeah. think I watched three films in total, which is not a great amount. What uh, What films do you like? Um, I had to do a bit of catching up on some like gaps in my film education, so I, mm-hmm. I finally. After many years of planning, I watched Pulp Fiction, which I haven't you seen haven't yet. You haven't seen Pulp Fiction? Exactly, like everyone has seen that. <laughs> yeah. So I finally watched that. shouldn't admit that on the record. Yeah. yeah. And I watched uh, Fargo, the Coen Brothers, and a Danish film called Land of Mines. Land of Mines, as in yeah. boom. Yeah. Okay. Like Second World War film. I haven't um, heard of that one. Yeah. Um, like yeah, so it was a bit of catching up. Um, in, on films that I probably should have seen way yeah. earlier. I don't know about you, but I get a lot of um, worry about the gaps, whether it's films or books or yeah. music. Um, yeah. But I guess it's good that we're aware of it so that we can sort that out. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. And you've got loads of flights you can sort things out on, which is helpful. Yeah. So uh, how was Australia? It was Brisbane, wasn't it, that you went to? Yeah, I played Brisbane. Uh, it was great actually because I only played for played one concert and I had about 30 minutes of playing time so it was it's really short and I, I thought about it a lot should I go or should I not go because it's such a long trip Yeah. but the concert was really great amazing orchestras that I played with and great pieces and and nice crowd and so it was really worth going that's cool and it was a concerto wasn't it yeah, exactly. I did. There was one concerto that was written for me um, by Thomas Green, an Australian composer, mm. and that was a, a world premiere with the whole symphony orchestra. And then we also played uh, Concertino Grosso, which is a piece that I wrote for Hang and String Orchestra. Yes, so we played that. I've heard bits of that. It's a hard one to find on the internet, actually. Yeah, it's there's only a, like an excerpt. Yeah. The internet, you can get the whole thing on, on iTunes if you if you want to listen. You want me to pay for it? Oh, well, let's pay for it. That's the problem. Yeah, it's one of the old <laughs> of the old days where people used to pay for music. Yeah, no, it's disgusting. How could you? You're listening to the fourth movement of Concertina Grosso, which is called Headbang.
Manuscripts is an, was an album on which Concertino Grosso was on. Okay. So it was it was just an album where I compiled various pieces of mine that were all like handwritten or properly notated pieces because mm. like in most of my albums are more produced and electronic and doesn't really yeah. sheet music. Yeah, yeah. But um, on my manuscripts album, it was, just, it was just a compilation of pieces that I wrote between 2009 and 2011, I would say. They were just like basically properly written. Okay, yeah. Composed pieces. Very clever what you did with the name there. I don't know. Well, I guess it's an easy, you know, with my first name, there was quite an easy and obvious. In that period, would you have been at Trinity? 2009 to yeah, 2011. Exactly. 2009, yeah, that was exactly the time I was at Trinity, and when I basically started writing orchestral music and choral music. Right now, I'm, I'm working on. I've got a commission to write for a brass band, which is quite a new territory for me. So, I mean, I have written for some brass instruments and I've written for orchestra, but writing purely for a, a brass band and just brass instruments, it's quite challenging for me and it's definitely a world that I'm not so familiar with. I mean, you know, it's not that I don't know anything about it, but, um, yeah, I'm just discovering a lot in that and listening and researching and... I don't want to go straight into writing. It's 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 okay. a bit like a, of a learning period, and I'm generally attracted to projects where, um, where I think I can learn things. And over the last few years, I played quite a lot with Indian musicians, where I thought, or I felt, I, I learned a bit about Indian music. Mm. And then before that, I played maybe more with electronic elements and producers, and there was also a good, good sort of learning experience for me yeah here's a little bit of land of gold from anishka shankar's album land of gold sing your song with ease and pride i'll be there not far What is it that draws you to that style of music? Um, well, I think it's got a lot of elements that our Western music doesn't have and vice versa. So in Indian music there's way less harmony, but there's much more focus on melodic lines and, and rhythm, basically. And I find that really interesting because I'm not so much a thinking melodically so much as, as on a sitar or on a shenai or on a sarod where it's really all about the, the melodies and, um, and ornamentation as well. Mm. So, yeah, it's just really interesting to, to listen to these players and, and learn from them and, and a little bit incorporate those ideas into my own uh, music and my own playing. Do you try and think in those traditional ways, like using conical when you play? Or you? Not really. I mean, you know, I'm, I took a few lessons, and I'm definitely interested in that matter. But I'm, I'm a total beginner when it comes to that. So yeah, it, it would. And those people don't ask me to work with them because of my Indian knowledge. Because mm. there's so many amazing Indian percussionists, and you know, they, if 
they wanted someone Indian, then they go for a great tabla player or yeah. Rudangan player or whatever. But I think they wanted me, so you know, I wasn't. I didn't really feel under pressure to, to be particularly Indian. I guess it wouldn't be genuine as well if you yeah. went in and tried to fake it, yeah. and the results wouldn't be so good. The other day, I saw you posted a letter uh, from the Grammy people, and you've got a long list of credits for Land of Gold. Yeah, it was, I mean, I was very happy, obviously, that the album was nominated. Cause it's, I think Anushka's already had five or six Grammy, Grammy nominations, so uh, it was a, almost a little. I felt almost under pressure. Yeah. We're not nominated because <laughs> I, I wrote so much. But uh, yeah, no, obviously that was nice and and. It was also great to be sort of credited not only as uh, an instrumentalist but also as um, writer, as composer, and it says um, programmer and sound engineer, recording engineer, recording, which yeah. is, I mean, I, I did, you know, I'm not a, I'm not really a professional recording engineer, but I did do some engineering yeah. and recording on the album, especially since I did quite a lot of the pre-production. By myself, basically. So. Oh, okay. Um, what do you mean by that? Um, well, just making demos, basically, f in the first stages. You know, when when the ideas come together, and then doing demos before you actually get the the proper recordings. But weirdly, there's, there's quite a few elements from the demos that stayed on the album. You know, Sometimes the case, often, isn't it? You often just keep you get used to stuff. Things, and you do. I quickly recorded it, and quite sort of without thinking about it too much it's quite intuitive mm. and then some of these bits some percussion stuff and that's just just stayed on the album so I guess that can you give an makes example me a, a recording what what was what's demo and has existed still on the album well for example I had when I did the demos I had very very limited equipment I, I was in New York for that for a month and I did the demos and um, I had I had my hangs, I had a little bit of percussion, I had one microphone, right. and and I borrowed an acoustic guitar to basically be able to sort of mime or like to demo the, the sitar lines. Uh -huh. So I, I tuned the guitar like a sitar and recorded some lines on that. But I also ended up using the guitar as a, as a drum, so I turned it around and just drummed on the wood just to sort of mimic where the beats uh, okay. would be and stuff. Did some of the guitar and some of that actual percussion on the guitar drum really? that stayed. Can you give us a track that you can remember? Some of that uh, might be on. If I'm not wrong, it's on a track called Last Chance. You've talked about your demos and things. So what came after that? When did Anushka and you kind of get in the room together? And um, yeah, we had some writing sessions together where, where I played her the demos and she liked most of them. And, and so then we started developing them, and she basically adapted some of my lines to make it more suitable to her. And she came up with 
some new lines um, and so sort of the pieces grew from there. There were also one or two pieces where she brought the, the initial ideas to the table and then I developed them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then we just started recording. We had a few bits in, in Italy together with the Chennai player Sanchev Shankar and Anushka and myself. And yeah, we recorded some music there and then we did some more multi-tracking in London and then on an album you can always bring in more and more stuff so we got mm. some string players on board and um, the bass player Larry Grenadier recorded some basses in New York and some guest vocals so you know it just got layered up and yeah. layered up and, um, I was just wondering what track you feel like you had a real heavy hand in putting together like there's quite a Manu stamp on there <coughs> uh, don't know I think there are quite a few actually um I don't know, maybe Crossing the Rubicon is quite a long one. It's like an 11-minute track Mm. where I kind of had the whole piece pretty much in mind from from the beginning before we actually started working on it. That was... um, Yeah. But that's, you know, we basically co-wrote the whole album, so I feel very connected to that album. Mm. I've got no other album except my own. I was so involved in someone else's album. Sure, yeah. It seems like she gave you, well, it sounds like she's given you a lot of uh, space to be yourself on this record. We've known each other for a few years before, so, you know, she she kind of knew my my strength and I knew her strength, so it was it was a good workflow there. Because yeah. if you don't know someone, it takes a bit longer to, to get to that point. Alfredo, how long till we get back? Um, about 10 minutes. Okay, cool. Minutes, yeah. Do you want to play a little game? Uh, I brought you a present. Um, brought me a present? I've been shopping, I went to Poundland. Could you hold the mic a sec? Okay. Where is it? I'll give you this, man. Ah. Could you describe cool. to the listeners what it is? It's a very colourful glockenspiel with five different notes, I think. Yep. Old xylophone. Color coded yeah. in case you start to struggle. Yeah. Um, do you want to open this? I'll, I'll trade yeah. the mic there. Yeah, I thought maybe we could see um, if you're as good as they say you are. The challenge is to play some Manu Delago handmade melodies on your new toy. And also, this better feature on your next album, or I'll be very upset. I'll try. Hard with five notes. It's really not in tune. 
Yeah, exactly. I'm really struggling as well okay. to guess what that is. Can you give me a clue? Tell me the album that that's off. If it is even off anything, you could play well, anything here. I, I, played, I only played the right rhythm. I couldn't play the right notes. Okay. <laughs> so, it's G- Give me a clue. Uh, it's on my latest album and I, I did a video for it. Latest album? You did, uh, was it Mesmer Mesmerizing? Uh, no, I did the video in the mountains. I was playing oh, by myself. Oh, Freeze. Yeah. Well, okay. It's a very, very remixed I version. Didn't, yeah, yeah. I didn't really recognise it. Yeah. Um, what I'll do at this point, I'll probably cut in Freeze. Then the people can hear. Hey, it's all thought through. It's going to be great. <laughs> expanding the sound capabilities, yeah. right? I mean, I did carry a lot of electronic and, and elements, a lot of gear onto the mountain, basically to perform a whole piece of acoustic and electronic music live. And as you say, I'm using pedals and I'm using pickup microphones, which go into Ableton, so I'm able to live process my sound. And some of the notes I play just get processed in the laptop live, some notes trigger additional samples and then sometimes I trigger um, kick drum or bass sounds with my pedals so yeah not everything is the instrument itself but everything is played live so yeah I, I quite like that that energy even in electronic music if there is a an element of, of human playing mm. to it what do you reckon to your present uh, it's great, and you, you chose a very good timing because it was my birthday, so it's oh, perfect. Yeah. Really? Yeah. When was that? Uh, three days ago. Oh, bloody so hell. It's... Happy birthday. Thank you. I wish yeah, I'd nice. known I would have got you a less shit present. No, it's a great um, present. <laughs> yes. Perfect. So, as I say, make sure it's on the next record. Yeah. What did you do for your birthday? Um, my, well, the good thing is was uh, my, my birthday was 31 hours long because I started it in <laughs> Singapore and finished it in London. Okay. So the bad thing was I spent 14 hours on a plane on my birthday. On your birthday? Watching Pulp Fiction though. Exactly, yeah. That was good though, yeah. And then I just had a nice day, chill out day in London. I was a bit tired from all the travelling, uh-huh. so I just relaxed in London at home. Let's talk a bit about your band and We'll get home and continue that a little bit, have a coffee and then make some music. So, what's your band called? Um, my band is called Mano de Lago Handmade. So it's basically my name and then Handmade. It's very good. I've seen you play live a number of times now and I'm always a bit blown away. Uh, who are your members? Um, it varies a little bit, but the two members that have been playing since quite a long time now are Isa Kurz she's a great singer who also plays the piano and violin and a percussionist called Chris Nortz he's also been in the band for a while now and then I occasionally had a bassoon player and a bass player and sometimes some other special guests 
lots of vocalists as well guesting. Yeah, on the albums I usually have different vocal guests, mm. so um, yeah, these sometimes pop up in different live shows if they are around. Yeah. Um, is, are these all Austrian friends, people that you kind of grew up with? or? Yeah, my band, they are all, I've all known them for a really long time. They're all from a similar area yeah. in Austria. Is it Innsbruck? Have I got that right? Yeah. It seems like a really good unit on stage. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, they're, first of all, they're very, very versatile um, musicians. So even though for only a trio, there might be one song where it's like a, um, a classical chamber group where Isa plays the violin and Chris plays the timpani. And then in the next song, Isa plays some synth and sings and Chris plays some electronic beats and it can sound very different so mm. we're going through a lot of different sound worlds together and I mean I, I'd get a bit bored if, if it wasn't the case so I chose a small ensemble but a very versatile ensemble and that's exactly what I like so it can be you can have a lot of variety yeah. inside a concert there's so much energy on stage as well when you're doing tracks like Chimp Rave that's a lot of fun yeah, yeah uh, you play the timpani on that one don't you on Chim Brave I think Chris plays the timpani Chris okay. plays the timpani is, is it spaceful that you get up and do the yeah, timpani yeah exactly yeah um, both great pounding tracks yeah they, I kind of we, we I mean I knew that's going to be fun on the, on the timpani to do these live so Chris and I basically <laughs> so that we're not arguing everyone got right. one, one <laughs> on a timp I would uh, rather play Chim Brave I just love that. Bam, bam, bam. great eye for visuals both in your music videos and your live shows well I, I don't really design the content of my visuals I have great people who help me there but I for me it's just really important that the visuals support the music and they're not sort of unrelated so and I'm really into like properly syncing image and, and sound and so very often our instruments play the visuals so I like it when it's really connected and in sync especially if there's some rhythmic unison passages where it's really tight and um, I think that's one of the, the features of my live shows is that there's a lot of cues where the lights or the visuals or whatever are really tight with the music yeah that's something uh, the one like. the one that I'm thinking of with the, like, the real tightness there is light song There was an actual composition for light and music, so yeah. that wasn't even okay. Let's put a light show to this. I'm gonna, if you could pull up the yeah, edges here next to this lamppost, it's great. This one, yeah, perfect. Um, right, okay, we'll pick up on this. Do you want to chuck those in here? Thanks, man. 
Well, you know a bit more about this guy now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Manny Delago. Okay, man. Thanks very much. Let's head up. So, tea? Coffee? Uh, tea would be nice. Back then we were quartets and we had this really analog lighting desk. So I just thought, because percussion and lights for me are very connected, so I got Chris, our drummer, to play the lights live mm. and I played the drums. And so it was a, a very simple composition, but quite I thought it worked quite well because all of us, the bass player, the pianist and I, only had three different things to play. Yeah. And you just had to rem remember to do it in the right order. Yeah. And then it was synced with all the lights. It was, um, I don't know, it just kind of came out of nowhere and sort of took my head off a little bit. It was, yeah, I don't want to say genius. <laughs> I don't want to give you too much credit, but it was very clever. Now get yourself onto YouTube, type in Manny DeLago Light Song and watch the video. Apparently Manu likes the use of daily items in music. I like the use of, of daily items in, in music, so that's maybe not as visual, but it's just uh, percussion instruments, are, or the family of percussion instruments is unlimited and you can use, you know, yeah. daily items for that. And Especially the toothbrush I thought is great because I've been practicing it for so many years and, <laughs> and then, yeah, I thought I'm going to use it because, you know, yeah. I like more toothbrush than drums in my life. Here's a bit about Mesmer Mesmerizing, a track from Manny's latest album, Metro Monk, and the music video. We wanted to do a video with, which is a, a one take, and we arranged a choreography, but we didn't have a location for mm. it. Then we were on tour in Australia and we were looking for different locations, and we just, yeah, quite randomly stumbled across this really deserted beach where we were by ourselves and thought, okay, this is. Perfect for the video, so yeah. you get a bit dizzy from watching it. But I did. It is a very dizzy video, but then on the other hand, it is about Franz Anton Mesmer, who used to hypnotize people with different things. So I think the whole matter is a bit dizzy and mm. yeah, about hypnos, and, and so it, it, it suits the vibe. You tied all that in. And that track, um, it is about, he's sort of the godfather of hypnotism, is that right? Yeah, you could say so. I mean, he he was around in the 18th century and and he tried to cure and heal people from different diseases and illnesses by very sort of new methods that weren't known then. And some mm. of them were hypnotizing, but also laying on hands and trying to get the energy flow correct, which wasn't really a thing then. I mean, the... the Western doctors, they just, you know, sort of didn't really agree to any of his methods. And yeah. He was based in Vienna, 
and they kicked him out and he went to Paris, studied there and then he got kicked out of Paris and I think he went to London even. So he travelled quite a lot, yeah. especially for the 18th century. Where, was he kicked out of things because his ideas were rejected? Yeah, his ideas were rejected and then there's also, a, it's sort of, I think the line is quite fine between healing people, especially women, where he's laying on hands to heal them. Whereas some people might have said this is like sexual abuse. He's a pervert. So he's a pervert and that he, some people thought that he's crossing the line there. And okay. That's something I don't know and I, I don't want to say that he didn't cross sure. the line. But I just, reading about him, I think he's an interesting character. I'm not sure everything is right that he did, but um, mm. yeah, I, I dedicated, dedicated a song to him basically. Mesmerizing, featuring Issa Kurtz on vocals. So you write a lot of the lyrics, don't you, in the songs? Yeah. Is it a collaboration with the guests? <clears throat> um, they usually write most of the vocal lines, so they might have to adjust some words um, or just make it sound, you know, change a few words around or bring in a few new words. Yeah. But most of the lyrics I, I write because I feel it's it's my album and my, my music and then I, at least, if I don't sing, at least I want to sort of be responsible for the content. Yeah. In most cases, there, there are few ex exceptions where the vocalists came up with the initial yeah. lyrics. Was a step one of those? A step I, I wrote pretty much all of the lyrics because that's a very like mountain inspired mm. track which which I wrote after hiking in the Alps. But there are some others. This is a step which you need to go and check out the video for on YouTube, created by Jeb Hardwick. Falling mountain tears within the seven degrees. I think Abrupt, which is a new, new album we wrote together, um, uh, Douglas there and I. Abrupt. Start, stop, on and off. I. Triana wrote all the lyrics for a long way, so she came up with that. Okay. And Did you instigate a starting point, or was it just, here's the music, how does it make you feel? Write yeah, some lyrics. Andrea came up with her own, her own lyrics and vocal line for that completely. Yeah. So, but that's more the exception than um, all the new stuff. I think I wrote all the lyrics. Anil Sebastian, he says hi. Oh yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah, um, that was my last album, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was Drumheart, wasn't it? Yeah. Another cool video. Oh yeah, that was the, the, with the dancers. Yeah. So, so. 
in a wee back like reminding me of our old days at Trinity Laban where we, we worked with contemporary dancers and that was yeah one of them where I brought in actual dancers. I've been drumming my Let's talk about your CD liner notes. Oops, I have no <laughs> idea what I wrote there. <laughs> I'll test you. Um, it's about basically dynamics in music is the idea. Okay. And, and, and there's sort of a great little story that you've got in here, uh, which is the idea came to me on a double-decker bus nightliner tour or you can choose if you want to hang out in the downstairs party music area or walk a few steps to the cosy sleeping bunks upstairs. That sounds fun. Yeah, that's I mean, a very simple idea, but it's so close together. And, and in a way, it's, if you're downstairs, you're in a, in a vertical position and there was really loud music and people were dancing and, and chatting and everything was loud. And then you go up a few stairs, which for me symbolizes also my sort of going up a little mountain in, in, Bigger terms, yeah. And then you lie down, and you're in the horizontal position, and it's just cozy and comfy and um, and quiet, and and you sleep, and and that's a bit like I structure my album. So there are two halves, and there's the upstairs bit, which is quieter, and then there's the transition track, which is descending these stairs. And the pace gets a bit faster in that in that transition, that's and then it's the downstairs. That's the separate stairs, isn't it? Yeah. Did you start off in like a muddy forest and then go into like a gravelly thing and then into a city yeah it's the idea is basically you go from high up on a mountain down and you I think it starts in ice and snow and goes over sort of a mountain path and some some gravel roads dirt roads into concrete and then it ends in this like in the, on the stairs going down the tube in London uh -huh. and so you go <laughs> it's down awesome. and down and it also the, the steps get faster and faster because Usually the walking pace of people get, gets faster in the cities yeah, compared to the yeah. countryside and the mountains. So that track is basically a, a transition. and it's, it's called Zebra Stairs because it's, it's like a zebra crossing, basically. Uh -huh. But not a, a, a flat, it's, a, it's sort of like a steep crossing. Yeah, down, so. it's great. I really like it a lot. Um, did you, I guess you did, record all of that stuff? Yeah. So you started off in Austria and then ended in London? Yeah, kind of. I mean, I can't remember the Not in one idea, walk. But, but it was a lot of, a lot of little field recordings, yeah. So, yeah. What's the weirdest thing that you've ever sampled? I don't know. Um, <laughs> <can't remember. laughs> well, we did once, because you mentioned the light song earlier, and we did, for the final performance of the light song, we we did the whole performance of the light song, but only burping the whole piece. So without actually <laughs> playing the instrument, which is yeah. burped the whole. But <laughs> could you give us a little demo? No, I can't do that now. But one of one musician in the trio, I'm not going to mention who it was, couldn't probably do it with burping. So we basically sampled the burps, right. the burping. So she, yeah, <laughs> so she had to play. She kind of mimed the burping into the microphone. But um, she was secret, secretly pressing sample pads 
underneath. And she's lost all respect for But the audience didn't, didn't even notice that it was sampled, so we basically, yeah, they were under the impression we were live burping the whole yeah. piece for four minutes. Yeah. Did you have to practice a lot for that? We did practice, yeah. 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 That's great. Where did you do it? What location did you choose? It was in our hometown in Innsbruck. Okay. It's a final performance and I, my mum was in the audience but I asked <laughs> to leave. I was a bit embarrassed. <laughs> This track is called Down to the Summit, which is from Manu's Silver Cobalt album. Vinny told me if I want to get you excited, I should ask you about mountains. <laughs> yeah, you might be right here. Yeah. So I, uh, I spend most of my downtime in the summer back in the Alps. Yeah. By the way, Vinny is one of your oldest friends. Yeah, he, we went to school together, and and it was quite funny that we shared a classroom for five years in our teens, and then we kind of went different ways. He moved to LA for a bit and to Amsterdam. About five years later, we suddenly sat in the same classroom again at Trinity in London. That's mad. Which yeah. was quite funny, because um, yeah, we just went such different ways, but sort of ended up at the same place again. Yeah. Yeah. I really like his music, which is Sturgeon. Anyways, back to mountains. Back to mountains, yeah. That's what, I guess that's where I'm from, so I grew up in the Alps. And when I lived there, I didn't even, I mean, I, I did hike, but it wasn't as special as it feels now, because now I've been living in London for 10 years, and now I really like, take the decision to take time out, go to the Alps and disappear for a few days or weeks and just be without internet and just enjoy charging my batteries and yeah. enjoy the fresh air and enjoy a bit of a bit of a challenge as well in a sort of in a in a sporty way. People should really try and get to your live shows because they've really blown me away. And the last one I went to, which was uh, Islington Assembly Hall, okay. you were playing Between Oil and Water. It's exactly this thing that you say in your CD liner notes, which is making a statement of quiet music makes the louder stuff more impactful mm-hmm. and vice versa. And you just stayed in that sort of really subdued mode and not doing a lot, but what was happening was really effective and you kept it there for longer than most people would dare to it was really really cool gig i very much enjoyed it and you've got another one in London in February, is that right? Yeah, King's Place in February is my next London show. And and where else are you playing? Just continue our Metro Monk tour in, in the autumn, but unfortunately there's nothing in the UK, but we're playing Russia and Estonia and Holland and Germany, Austria, Switzerland, in the, in the United Arab Emirates, we do a show. So, all sorts, 
And then in February we come back <clears throat> to the UK and do this show at King's Place and maybe a few more. Great, yeah. I'll be there. Cool. Free ticket? <laughs> yeah. No, Manu just looked away, he looked at the floor. No free ticket for me. <laughs> no, you're not. You're not going to try. It's fine. We'll see how today goes. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of time that we have, we should probably crack on and we can chat more in the cab. So yeah, it's half 11 now, so if we cool. get some things in place. Yeah, Wicked. What are we going to do? Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Uh, I I don't know. You I need I probably need some kind of input that is not you know some just whatever blank total blank page. So I did try and not think about like starting points and things, but yeah, uh, my mind is curious to know what hap- what would happen if we layered up almost like uh, rain like texture of just lightly um, fiddly fingers on the surface and not too worried about pitch in particular and to layer up lots of that and see what that would sound like if it's panned and kind of moving around and this kind of thing okay um that sounds cool we could start with that and and then once i think we just have to just do something and then we'll eventually like start discarding things and then going with ideas yeah so let me just hit record and we'll just record a bunch of stuff maybe um So what you're hearing now is an excerpt of the first texture that Manu played. And fading into the second.
Oh man, that's some nice stuff. Sounds creepy. Yes, indeed. And then we took down some more melodic elements that we're going to fire off into a reverb. Yeah, something like that. Maybe a bit much, but... Get you in the zone for it. Okay. So after this, we found a loop within the first texture that we recorded, which actually then became the meat and potatoes of the track. And there it is. That's the moment that we decided to loop. I don't know what you think of this idea. Yeah, I think we need that because there is something nice about that texture thing, but mm -hmm. then it's sort of, what's the, what's the idea, where's the thing? Yeah. Um, uh, I was going to add something to that, I just compress it a bit. Click that in front of this microphone. Yes. Good, yeah. uh, good discovery. Do you know what? I wonder if we should start with that. Of course, that yeah. could be like quite a cool. Yeah. Maybe that's what we should do. Yeah. And we found that this loop sounded quite interesting when it was gated. a peculiar thing that we thought works quite nicely. I could add some percussive textures. Um, yeah. I'm sure, yeah. Oh, yeah. Should I just send it round on a little loop? And... Yeah. Like drop in a simple melody, for example. Yeah. Why is it a good place to drop here, though? Should I leave? Should I leave that other groove stuff like that? That beat for now, and we'll kind of refine yeah, it later. I think so. And here is that melody. So let's just be a simple melody, and maybe I could do. I don't know. I have to see if I could do a second one. Yeah. 
and here's the second one. Actually, like in that opening thing. I'll, I'll record some high D stuff, but you could also maybe pitch that either up the octave or or gated, or you know, with the transients when you turn down the transients. Yeah. That's also cool. Yeah, yeah let's I'll do that. Awesome. So we took that high D thing, did a couple of things to it. So this is it normally. Pitched it up the octave. And then we experimented with a few of those hits being sent into a reverb. As well as compressing it a little. We used Ableton's Erosion plugin and found a frequency that brought out some nice harmonics. So it doesn't really sound like a hang anymore, which is cool. Manny went on to record a faster, more constant pattern that we were planning to cut up later. Then we decided to take one of those hits and make an arpeggiating synth out of it. What do you use for that? Um, so uh, there's a sampler in here. Quite like sort of random. Um. This isn't actually anything that made it into the final track. We're just messing around on the keyboard here. There could be something in that. Yeah, I like that sound. We can do some noises there. Um, I think little, like little. A sort of flourish that could be called. Yeah, yeah definitely. I agree. Um, yeah. We'll have to get, I guess, a central structure pretty soon, and then try and flesh some stuff out. Well, let's do food then, and then we come back and make a little form. So off we went, popped out to lunch in Crystal Palace. Unfortunately, it was a little bit noisy in the restaurant. We had to battle with sounds like this. So there isn't a whole lot of conversation that we can use from lunchtime. And I'm afraid it was one of the few times I was asking Manu about his work with Björk. So I'm sorry about that. I guess he'll just have to come back and do another episode. You're currently listening to Virus, which is off the Biophilia album. Manu had a bit of a hand in composing this one with Björk. We talk a little bit about Bjork, we talk a little bit about Cinematic Orchestra, who Manu has played with in the past, and a bit about Matt Robertson, who has produced Manu's last three records. 
Are you still working with Matt Robertson a lot then? Not a lot because he moved to Canada, so like, How I don't see him much. Because he was your, your sure. Nigel Godrich yeah. in many ways, if you were Tom York. Yeah. Up to the point where I met him, I listened to a lot of electronic music, but I didn't make any electronic music myself. Okay. And with him, he helped me a lot. He really sort of um, yeah, brought my sound to. This is changing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'd say he brought my sound to like a higher level, and I learned a lot from him. And I started doing more electronics myself. But yeah. he was very involved in all my last three records. Was he? Yeah, I was going to say, did he come on board at bigger, bigger than home? Yeah, what electronic music do you listen to? I'm curious to know. Mm. I think my first big influence as a teenager was The Prodigy. It was like my... It was, it was a, you know, I was a drummer that was massively influencing me as a drummer as well. I just loved that type of programming and energy. And now... Um, I guess then I did listen to, to Björk quite a lot, which means she has got a lot of electronic elements. Is it, is it all sort of unexpected though, like working with York? And... Yeah. Well, I guess you, you work towards a dream or towards you know what you like. I'm really happy that that worked. Actually, cinematic orchestra is one that's that would put, put more into that because I listen to them a lot. Okay, um, it's maybe more jazz and hip hop influenced, but that was definitely a band that I, I went to like five gigs of theirs. So right, I listened a lot. So what happened, like? Because I know that she saw your Mono Desire video. Um, so what made the cinematic orchestra come to you? Mm. I used to be in a band with their guitarist, Stuart McCann. Okay. And so through him, I met uh, the drummer, and then actually took some lessons from the drummer when I moved to U the UK. Right. And through them, I met Jason, the main guy. He saw me in the gig one day with Björk, and he sort of liked how I played all the electronic beats live. Okay, yeah. And then he asked me for cinematics. Do you still play with them? Not at the moment. I, I did last year and the year before. You see, I'm mainly doing my own band. Can you play that drum beat live? Well, I did that live. Then. You did? Yeah. This is Sacrifice and the beat we're talking about. It's good stuff. I think I had some multiple samples on Go my pads. Is that like... Uh, like is that kind of the hardest one to play? It's pretty crazy. I don't think I've played all the beats. I just have played maybe even only every fourth beat or something. Because I, I mapped it out on the, on the pads. 
Maybe I did. No, nope, I did actually play. I played the bass with my paddles. Yeah. Um, but um, I think yoga was quite maybe the hardest beat to play. Okay. How come? Because there were like about ten drum stands, which I had to sort of arrange into one. It was like I transcribed all of them. We looked like an orchestra score of drum stands. And then I had to arrange it into be, be playable for two hands and two feet. So So I played all the little girls and Matt did all the filtering live. So it basically took two of us to play the drum beat. Play that. Those the tracks that I was maybe one of one of my favorite Dirk tracks. And, uh, I listened to it so much as a teenager. Yeah. And then apparently no one ever played that beat live. It was always coming from track. Ah, so seriously. It's quite a so honor. Did you see that as a challenge, though? Yeah, totally. And she wanted to have Someone. it exactly like the album. That one. Oh. Nice, nice and done. Yeah. <laughs> no wonder she keeps you around. before getting back to the music I wanted to mention all the online stuff so you can find Excuse the Mess on Facebook facebook.com forward slash ETM podcast on Twitter at ETM pod and Instagram search for ETM podcast there's also the website etmpodcast.com where you'll find this episode and any future episodes all in one place along with extra bits and pieces and a newsletter that you can subscribe to to keep up to date with the mess Okay, back to the music making. Let's talk order. We start with this, mm-hmm. then to the melodies, or just the your malleted stuff. Yeah, I think over this <clears throat> might be good to have maybe some kind of long cloud in the background of sound that's doing something, so it's not just a chop okay. loop. Okay, that could be anything from earlier on. Yeah, let's have so a like look. something in the reverb cloud and something that's got a bit of. So let me take that off. This sort of thing? Yeah, that could work, yeah. That could be like the, the first bit of the beat that could stay maybe and just like a, as a fill. For the drop or something? Yeah, that's a good shout. Get rid of the last two bits. It's just a... Yeah. Feels like it needs a... Uh... 
And then we revisited the high D stuff that Manu had put down just before lunch. Should we shift it back or leave it off the beat? Like, that's kind of nice. I would probably not use it as it is. Maybe choose some of the snippets and make it a bit more loop-based. Yep. Or, or, I like the first one, the very first one yep. that comes in, and then we have to choose which ones are good. So we worked on that for a bit, and then Manu had spotted some sort of rhythmic clash that we needed to sort out. He's got a good ear for that sort of thing, being a percussionist. And maybe we should cut out the one beat so that these have more space. Cool. Get rid of that. I like the, the ending when it gets detuned. I really like that. That's my favourite thing. Who makes these drums? This is Max Edelman, the photographer who came in to take a couple of pictures of us whilst we were working. So these were made in Switzerland so by, right. by Pan Art, which is a company. But now. So they invented them, but now there are like a hundred maybe. Yeah, because I was always associated them with Switzerland. With Switzerland. Yeah. So that was the, where they originated from. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But now there are a hundred makers, there are about five or six in the UK. Really? And uh, it spreads out, yeah. So time was really against us at this point. So we captured a few last bits that we thought we might need and then got another cab back to his flat to do a little bit more work. Should we just capture some of that? Okay. If you're not listening through headphones or some nice big speakers, then I'd recommend plugging one of those two things in now because this stuff's rather subby. Tons of stuff. That's cool. Just thinking, we probably don't need many more elements, do we? Like, to add in there, we've got enough. We've got like... I think so, yeah. Uh, yeah, all the small bits of melodic things we can arpeggiate and whatnot. Yeah. I could uh, do one like over this, do the whole thing we did now. Yeah. Could just do like a, kind of like a solo take. Solo take, here it is. Just a few little lines from that that we ended up chopping out and using in different ways. That's all the time we had recording at mine, so let's jump back in a cab and head to Manu's flat. I try to listen to a wide range of music. I try to listen to new music and old music. And, and so, I mean, earlier you said you find it hard to spot my influences, and that, yeah. for me, is a very big compliment because I don't want to sound like yeah. one person or one band. So, it's just, you know, just I listen to a lot of music and then hopefully got my own voice or try to have my own voice. Chemical reaction, what a tune. I love the opening synth, it kind of gets me every time. 
Yeah, that was a, I mean, that was a very simple. I did that on an aeroplane. <laughs> did you really? Yeah. It's just a great crunchy noise, though. Yeah. That's choice of synth. That's the the timbre of it is what makes it. But yeah, simple and very effective. What is it? What did you use to make that? My iPad. I actually added way too much stuff to it right away, and then I played it to Matt, and he was he was he's great with thinning out stuff and then he just basically got rid of everything again and that's like just used the synth for a while and then we sort of built it up. quite a few electronic ideas but Matt is always the one who makes it sound really good yeah I'm not so good with that um, and on Metro Monk Matt was a little bit less involved than on Simon Cobalt for sure okay Metro Monk he was more like building Ableton sessions in advance before we actually recorded building the effect patches and then recording it was pretty quick right I, I recorded Metro Monk pretty much in three days that album really was, but it was the pre-programming that took longer so you would sort of compose a piece of music at the same time as you work out what Abel's, Ableton's going to do and you do it yeah, in that exactly. parallel way and then when the Ableton session was finished I then went when all the Ableton sessions were finished I went to the studio and recorded live so I recorded the effects at the same time as the audio just like it's pretty much like one take some of it like freeze is just one take without <laughs> seriously yeah that's awesome yeah. it's just using a freeze reverb that's the only thing that's so it's in the Ableton reverb yeah oh okay it's very nicely done yeah it's very simple and that's where I got the work title freeze from and then I never got rid of it again <laughs> here we are back at Manu's flat so are you thinking of like new ways to approach the hang drum because it is sort of uh, okay. yeah yeah please um sugar uh no just milk Thanks, man. It, like any instrument, it has its limitations, doesn't it? Yeah, totally. So, are you ever, ever going to move away from the hang drum? Uh, don't know. I mean, at the moment I'm, I'm not writing that much. I'm trying to collect ideas, but I'm not really writing for the hang at the moment. So, I guess sometimes you just need a break. And Like the session we did today is actually quite inspiring because you quite in the, myself in an adventurous mode and I try not to do stuff that I usually do because um, I don't know why, but I guess because we write together and you are a composer as well so I didn't want to just play another nice D minor melody pattern and, okay. and add some... You kind of know what works but I don't want to do it all the time. You know? Yeah, I'm glad you felt that it was... Uh, yeah, no, no. Cool. Do you want to get the laptop? Out. Let's do it. Uh, yeah, I could get us some little uh, both speakers. And here we go. A final bit of work on the track. Bringing this up here when the beat comes in. And it goes around twice. And then this sort of feels like it's kind of, you can launch off it in some way, but I've got less. Maybe it needs to be more 
maybe a different well, sort of texture. Well, it could just be like a two-bar thing, and then you have a a beat without the melody, and and maybe the sub only bring in here rather than before. Underneath the uh, that washy thing, or when it, when it comes beat. back in. Yeah, when it comes back in. Okay. Um, so because where the sub came in now, it felt a bit. Mm -hmm. there. Some nice stuff, right? Pitch shift. Oh, was it? Pretty extreme pitch shift. Yeah. Here's that with more clarity. This was one of the first textures. I think the first texture. And pitched it up. Yeah, I think that's a good place for like when we started five hours ago, right? It's not, it's not too bad. Yeah. Have your lunch. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think we should have like a placid section where the groove maybe disintegrates to a point where it's just left with this textural I'd, land? I'd kind of do more like little breaks, like that's the one where you have two bars of nothing. I think. Okay. You could have like little breaks. Even if it's just a beat or two beats, where it sort of just where this world drops in, and then I think it's it's good to sort of stay in that vibe. Okay, I'm, I'm with you. That sounds good. Let me. I don't know. I, I think it's a bit dangerous to like have one piece that's too many things. That is very good advice, particularly for me about like not leaving that vibe because I'm I always I'm always at risk of just being like. And a new thing. Yeah. I do it so much. Me, me too, especially when I listen to my older stuff and I now try not to do that so much. And I think it's also easier when you are when you're programming, no matter what you program, if it's a playlist or if it's an album track list or if it's a concert or a DJ or whatever if you have tracks that have a vibe and you can do something with it. If it's a track that's everything, <laughs> it's quiet, it's loud, yeah. it's fast and it's slow, it's really hard to put it somewhere in, yeah. in the flow, because where are you going to, where are you going to place this if it's everything at the same time, I, I find. I'd rather have a, five, a quiet five minutes piece and a loud five minutes piece and then you can, <laughs> you're like, you know, have this at the end and this at the beginning. Yeah. Some good advice there from Manu. Well, I guess now it's probably time to hear the track. So if you're ready, here we go.
Don't worry about it, man. Hey. Yeah. Should I say goodbye up here? Should I say goodbye. Goodbye, goodbye podcast. Bye-bye. See Ex- you next time. Get it right. Get the name right. What's it called? Uh, it's just a mess. <laughs> yeah, man. Goodbye, He's got it. It's just a mess. <laughs> Thanks, Manu. Cool. You've Love been you, a good man. sport. Yeah. Come with me. You too. And um, maybe see you tonight. I, I doubt it. But otherwise, in the, in the month, not in two weeks, so it'll be um, around the corner. Manu never showed up, but that's okay. I wanted to say a huge thanks to him for his time and talents and for being the first Excuse the Mess guest. I hope you enjoyed hearing from him, hearing bits of his music and listening to our music creation. I definitely had a fantastic day. He's a top bloke and a really inspiring composer and musician. Also, a big thank you to True Thoughts for allowing the use of Manu's music, as well as Bjork and Anushka Shankar for letting us use their music too. I want to thank you for clicking on a logo that looks like a child's dinner and for sticking it out to the bitter end. I hope you'll be ready and waiting for more ETM in the new year. The reason I say the new year is because between now and then, I'll be gathering funds to make a whole series, which will be seven more episodes. I have some really exciting guests lined up for that. I don't want to give them all away, but here are a few names. We're going to have Robert Ames, the co-artistic director, co-conductor, and viola player of the London Contemporary Orchestra, Laura Jurd, the jazz trumpeter and composer and one of this year's Mercury Prize Award nominees, Douglas Dare, a singer-songwriter signed to one of my favourite labels, Erase Tapes, and the unstoppable Anna Meredith. Just a couple more things from me, don't worry, I'll let you go very soon. So it might not come as a surprise to you, but I've never made a podcast before or anything remotely like it. I'm working it all out as I go along. So, you can really help me to improve Excuse the Mess by sending me some feedback, ideas and suggestions. I'd be really happy to hear from you. So you can reach me on ben at etmpodcast.com or leave a comment on the SoundCloud player. It'd be a huge help as well if you can like, share and subscribe, all of those things. Tell your friends and loved ones about Excuse the Mess and help out with the podcast pollination. If you want to get in touch to sponsor the podcast, I'd be very happy to hear from you too. Okay, that is all from me. Thank you so much for listening to the pilot episode of Excuse the Mess featuring Manny DeLago. Take very good care of yourselves. Bye-bye. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.